The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Pablo Escobar's pet hippos have multiplied and are ravaging a part of Colombia's capital. An AI that can create very impressive and artistic images from text commands. Maybe a little too impressive. And a discovery in England this week that could have been way worse. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. A couple years ago, I read a novella called River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey. The concept of the story is based on a real-world event that almost happened. So back in the early 20th century, a bill was proposed in the U.S. House of Representatives and informally supported by Theodore Roosevelt that the U.S. should import hippopotamuses from Africa to the swamplands of the Gulf Coast and breed them as an alternative meat source for Americans, basically starting a new industry in the U.S. of hippo ranching. Now, as you know, this proposal never came to be, but Gailey's novella, now collected into a volume with a sequel and some other stories under the title American Hippo, imagines an alternative history where this did happen, only set 50 years earlier, so you get a kind of Gulf Coast Cowboys on Hippos type story. It's great, I loved it, I highly recommend it. Or if you just want to dig more into the facts, I put a link in the show notes to a long read on the history of the hippo proposal by John Mualem. But the reason I bring all of this up is because Americans in the early 20th century were not the only ones with dreams of becoming hippo ranchers. Decades later, Pablo Escobar would also get into the hippo game, importing four of them to live on his estate in Colombia. And now, 40-some years later, they have bred and multiplied and are spreading all over the wetlands of North Bogota, causing mayhem, consternation, and some real concerns for the region. Scientists say this now invasive species is competing with native wildlife, polluting local waterways, attacking humans, and they project will grow in number to 1,500 hippos by 2040. And at that point, the scientists say they will be nearly impossible to control and their environmental impacts will be irreversible. But never mind controlling 1,500 hippos, how do you control a dozen or even just one? It's not like you can just Google it, you know, and Colombian officials are not hippopotamus experts, and there are unique challenges levied upon this specific situation. First, quoting the Washington Post, In their natural habitat, hippos spend the long, dry season crowded into waterways that have shrunk to puddles. There, they are vulnerable to disease and predation, not to mention one another's bad tempers. But tropical Colombia is hippo paradise, environmental agency researcher David Echeverri Lopez said. Rain is abundant, food is plentiful, and there are no carnivores large enough to pose a threat. The animals spend five hours a day grazing on grasses and the rest of their time basking in the cool waters of the Magdalena River and surrounding lakes. End quote. 
Apart from Colombia not being the hippo's natural habitat, having an effect on the hippo's behavior, it also affects the surrounding community's impression of the hippos. The officials tasked with dismantling Escobar's estate back in the 90s weren't sure what to do with the one male and three female hippos, so they just let them roam instead of sending them to a zoo with his other animals. And mostly, they did that because the hippos were massive and aggressive. No one really wanted to approach them. So what could the harm be in letting them go? Well, Kenyans and other African communities with native hippo populations could tell you a whole heck of a lot. You've got hippos from each sex so they can breed, for one, and they're also hugely destructive to the environment and to other animals. Hippos kill more humans each year than any other large mammal. But when you don't grow up around hippos, you don't necessarily know that. So the hippos have become something of a mascot in Colombia. Quoting again, gift shops in nearby Puerto Triunfo sell hippo keychains and t-shirts. At the amusement park that was built on the site of Escobar's former pleasure palace, visitors can tour the lake where several dozen hippos now live. Occasionally, one will plod into a nearby community, looking as blasé as a shopper on his way to the grocery store. The hippopotamus is the town pet, resident Claudia Patricia Camacho told the local news in 2018. You could say that he now takes to the street as if it were his own. End quote. But the hippos aren't as friendly as they may look on t-shirts. They terrorize farms and hurt residents. At times, the government has ordered the hippos to be shot on sight, but there's been pushback from animal rights organizations and local residents. So then they tried putting the hippos in a pen, but, and this is one of the many quotes from this article that honestly sounds straight out of Jurassic Park, Echeverri said, I didn't know they could jump. Yikes. So then they tried big pens with high enough walls that the hippos can't jump out of them. They've also been focused on trying to prevent them from breeding by tranquilizing and then castrating the males. They've been through a steep hippo anatomy learning curve on that front, though, not even being sure where to look for the animal's external reproductive organs. Turns out it's a bit complicated. They finally got a system of castration down, but it's costly and complicated, so they can only do about one a year. But the estimates are that the population grows 10% a year. And apart from the bodily harm to humans and the destruction of farms, the hippos, as they multiply, are causing a host of other problems. Quoting again, A 2020 study of hippo-inhabited lakes found that nutrients from the animal's feces were fueling huge blooms of bacteria and algae. These, in turn, reduced the oxygen content of the water, making it toxic to fish. We saw oxygen levels that were getting to levels where you would expect to see fish start to go belly up said Jonathan Shuren, an ecologist at the University of California at San Diego, who's worked with Echeverry to evaluate the hippo's environmental impacts. There's concern that this will affect the region's fishing industry. End quote. Natalie Castelblanco Martinez, a Colombian ecologist and lead author on a new study about this hippo population, says they need to be castrating 30 hippos a year, including females, to have any impact. But even that would just slow them down, not diminish the problem altogether. The only option she sees it is extraction. She says things like relocating the hippos or castrating them may have worked when there were far fewer of them, but officials acted too slowly, and now this is what they're left with. Officials don't all agree, though. Echeverry, quote, suggested it might be possible to sterilize or relocate the 50 or so hippos in the lake near Hacienda Napolis and only cull those that have wandered farther afield. The U.S. nonprofit Animal Balance is collecting donations to help pay for this effort, end quote. 
So that's what they're trying for now, but it does seem like they're getting thwarted in every direction. I mean, I definitely don't want to advocate for killing the hippos. That sounds awful. But, you know, I mean, hey, those proponents of hippo ranching back in the early 20th century U.S. said they tasted pretty good, quote, especially the fatty brisket part, which could be cured into a delicacy called lake cow bacon, end quote. Well, turns out even artists are no longer safe from the robots taking their jobs. Nonprofit research company OpenAI have trained a neural network to create images from text captions, and they're actually quite impressive. The new AI model is called DALL-E, that's D-A-L-L-E, all caps, it's a nod both to Salvador DALL-E and WALL-E, and quoting CNN, Dolly is a version of an existing AI model from OpenAI called GPT-3, which was released last year to much fanfare. GPT-3 was trained on the text from billions of web pages so that it would be adept at responding to written prompts by generating everything from news articles to recipes to poetry. By comparison, Dolly was trained on pairs of images and related text in such a way that it appears to be able to respond to written prompts with images that can be surprisingly similar to what a person might imagine. OpenAI then uses another new AI model, Clip, to determine which results are the best. Aditya Ramesh, who led the creation of Dali, said he was surprised by its ability to take two unrelated concepts and blend them into what appear to be functional objects, such as avocado-shaped chairs, and to add human-like body parts, a mustache for instance, to inanimate objects, such as vegetables in a spot that makes sense, end quote. So some of the text prompts that OpenAI gave Dali and have displayed on their blog include... A painting of a capybara sitting in a field at sunrise, and a cross-section view of a walnut, and a storefront that has the word OpenAI written on it. On their blog, you can play with each of these prompts and more, change them up a bit, and see other images Dali has created. For example, OpenAI could be written on a road sign, or a t-shirt, or in Scrabble letters, and each one displays a dozen or so iterations of the images that the AI has produced, as well as notes from the research team on the process and outcomes. The images themselves range in styles, some look like photographs, others are cartoons, some are kind of claymation-y, but for the most part, they're all pretty clear. Now, Dali doesn't do as well with prompts for things it's less familiar with, and since it was trained on web pages, that basically means it's not as good at things that are less common on the internet. So it's way better at creating images of pandas versus shrimp, as CNN learned when they were allowed to send in their own prompts for Dali. Now, when Dali isn't as familiar with an object, it tends to come out more blobby and pixelated sometimes. And OpenAI points out that Dali also struggles with longer words, producing more typos and rigid font choices. Ilya Sutzkever, a co-founder of OpenAI and its chief scientist, says this is a step forward for AI that can thrive with both text and images. It lays the groundwork for AI that would one day be able to do tasks like editing photos or designing objects like furniture, which, you know, could definitely be convenient in some ways and totally terrifying in others. But for now, check the link in the show notes for cute drawings that Dali made of a radish wearing a tutu and walking a dog, and just focus on those while Dali secretly plots to steal our livelihoods.
Here's a story that had the potential to be incredibly dark and gruesome, but actually turned out to be relatively lovely. A woman in Gateshead, England, who works as a dog walker, was out walking the dogs when she noticed something sticking out of the mud nearby, something that looked distinctly like a human toe. She called the cops about what she had seen and took a photo, which you can view on BBC, link in the show notes, and it took the cops a while to get there. They say it was dark by the time they arrived, so they had to deploy a whole search team with specialist dogs to find it, and they're ready to do a full investigation. They're prepared in case of foul play, but when they finally found it, it turned out to be a potato with a bit of mushroom growing next to it, but that's it. Just a potato. No human body at all. The police say it was still good of the woman to call just in case, and that they aren't bothered when it turns out to be nothing. And when alleged corpses turn out to just be vegetables, they say their dogs are happy to have little treats. And this story was brought to you by my roommate's Amazon show, which decided to display the photo and headline while I was making breakfast this morning. And now I share it with you. You're welcome. One more thing that you can mark on your calendar if you're looking for something to watch, NBC Universal is releasing some of their classic monster movies for free streaming on YouTube this week, but each one will only be available for a week, so make sure you get in there. On Friday, they're releasing Dracula and the Mummy. Saturday is Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. And on Sunday is The Invisible Man, The Wolfman, and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. So again, these are the originals from the 30s and 40s, the Boris Karloff ones. Not sure why they're doing it now and not Halloween, but hey, I wish it could be Halloween every day, so I dig it. Info, as always, in the description box. And that is it for today. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.